Thanks for listening to the Cascade Vineyard Church Podcast. To learn more about our community or the vineyard movement as a whole, feel free to visit our website, cascadevineyard.org. There you'll also find additional teachings, information on our various ministries, and other resources for further developing your faith. We'd love to have you join us for worship. Enjoy this message. stuff for you here. Marissa, I'm sorry. I always make a mess, but it's just what I do. Um, A couple things before we get into the message today I wanted to talk about just real, real briefly uh, the events of this last week. Uh, three, Three quick comments. One is that I was very blessed that the inauguration was able to come off without any further violence or destruction or anything like that. That was, uh, we prayed for that here Tuesday morning, and I'm sure that we were not the only people praying for that. Uh, so that was a blessing to me. It was, I felt that was an answer to prayer. Second thing I want to say, go ahead and go to the next slide. That, oh. See, you make me cry already. Um, that young lady was such a surprise. I, uh, they said, we have a poet laureate today. I'm like, I'm not into poetry, really. So it's like, cool. And then she got up and uh, felt like um, it was, <laughs> gosh dang it. She was to me the embodiment of hope. I just felt like if there's hope today, that's what it looks like. So there you go. Go to the next slide. The other thing, not nearly uh, as emotional, but I got to tell you, it, so, it was so fun. I mean, you know, you need fun and you need a little levity. And so Bernie Sanders becomes the man of a million memes. And if, if you have not seen, just go home and Google Bernie memes. He is everywhere and it is freaking hilarious. I mean, I just love it. I saw him getting interviewed. Seth Meyers interviews him, and he goes, and uh, he asks him about the mittens, and he's so straight. He goes, well, these are if a friend of mine knitted these for me, and it was so fun. And he goes, and Seth goes, were you aware of, like, everybody kind of sharing? He goes, well, yeah, I was aware. So anyway, just, uh, you know, I just thought that was so enjoyable. I love Bernie Sanders anyway, just because he's such a funny guy, a great guy. He's, he's, a, he's a good person. So anyway, that was my comment on that. We're going to continue today in Ephesians. Uh, yeah, I, we're, the first two installments of Ephesians, two weeks, we covered all of three verses. Uh, so today we're going to forge ahead and cover two more verses. Uh, we, what, we, what we went over so far is that in Paul's introductory comments, sort of his address, who's the letter to, he, just by way of review, he says that you guys are saints and you're God's holy people, um, and that you're in Christ Jesus. And I just was, just a reminder, I was this week again, you know, uh, that you guys are in Christ Jesus. You're in Christ Jesus, uh, and, and I think that that's a very good place to be. There's no better place to be than in Christ Jesus. Um, so moving on, verses 4 and 5. Verses 4 and 5 tackle one of the uh, 
what, what can be more confusing concepts in Scripture? Now, that is the idea of predestination. So a little bit of a, of a disclaimer, maybe a warning. Uh, today is a, a little bit of a theological message. Uh, it's, it's not as uh, touchy-feely. It's a little cerebral. Uh, but I would encourage you to hang with me because I think it'll be worth it in the end. Um, so that's that. Uh, and, and again, I, I'll say this. That is the beauty of going through a book expositorily. Uh, when you teach topically or you teach randomly, you, you can kind of pick and choose what you want to talk about, which is really nice. Uh, and, and you can kind of skip over issues like this. But when you teach expository through a book, you're confronted with issues that you might not otherwise choose to teach on, but, uh, you know, are then compelled to do. So I, I think that's the case here. I don't know that I would ever, you know, out of my own thinking, prepare a message on predestination. Uh, but it's there. So uh, we're going we're gonna to deal with it this morning. And um, uh, I, I, I think it'll be helpful. I hope it's helpful to you guys. The, the, so for, I, I want to comment, though. The next 10 verses in the, in the text, from verse 4 all the way through 14, are in the Greek, are one sentence. It's one long sentence. Uh, Paul would have failed English 101. Uh, he would not have done well. This is a run-on sentence beyond all run-on sentences. Uh, the English translators have broken it down a bit, which is, I think, thankful, although it doesn't quite read the way it does originally. But What's taking place now, he has told us that we're God's saints, his holy people in Christ Jesus, and that we received every spiritual blessing in heaven. And now what he's beginning to do is outline what are those blessings. These are the blessings that you receive in Christ Jesus. So that's where we'll start today. Let's pray real quick, and then we'll, we'll go ahead and, and jump into it. Um, Jesus, thanks uh, again. I just thank you for our worship this morning. What a joy. What a blessing to be in your presence. We thank you, Lord. We love you. I do pray, Lord God, that you enlighten the eyes of our hearts today, that we might really be strengthened and enriched and encouraged by your word. Your name, amen. All right, verses 4 and 5. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Christ Jesus in accordance with the pleasure, with his pleasure and will. And again, there's no period because that's not the end of the sentence. But uh, So our title today, if you want to go to the next slide, predestination, is that a good thing? Um, it, this topic has been somewhat of a controversy throughout, really, church history. From, from early church on, uh, and frankly has caused some anxiety and some some consternation among people at different times in different places. Um, Paul says here, you were chosen before the foundation of the world and that you are predestined for adoption as, as sons or daughters. Uh, so, so what does he mean by that? It, it, by implication, if you, if you think logically, uh, most of us would say, so if, if some have been chosen and some are predestined, then by implication that would mean that some are not, right? Is it, that's how I think. I think that's how many people think. Um, that challenges some conventional thinking. Most of us, uh, if you, uh, everybody in this room, if you were raised in the last, uh, if you become a Christian in the last 
50 to 60 years, um, especially in, in the Western world, especially in the United States, um, you, you have been taught that uh, accepting Christ is a choice. I, uh, at some point in your life, you probably said, I made a personal decision to accept Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior, or I received Jesus into my heart. Some language along those lines. So the question being, if we were predestined, and if God chose us before the foundation of the earth, then is that accurate that I chose Jesus to come into my life, or did he choose me, and how does that work? So, uh, uh, you know, if we're, if we're predestined, why evangelize? Why, why would we, see again, why would we share our faith at all tell other people about Jesus if, if we're predestined and it's all pre-decided. Uh, you know, what, what would that matter? Uh, a big question for me, I suppose, w- w- would be, and I know I've, I've had conversations over the years with people, other people have thought this as well, so what if, what if I am predestined and say my, my loved ones, my spouse is not, or my kids are not, or whatever, how does that work? How, how does that fit? And I've had... Um, conversations with people in the past that were brokenhearted uh, because their spouse had not come to Christ yet, and they were concerned that maybe that they were not predestined and never would, and uh, it, was, it was very challenging for them. So, so again, there's some questions surrounding this. Uh, and then I think if you take that in the kind of big picture, if you macro that out, then you, you go, okay, so what about other things? What about stuff like disease, natural disasters, crime, coronavirus pandemic, is, is that all predestined as well? Did God decide before the foundation of the world that that stuff was going to happen? Um, you know, on, on one level, it would seem as though that would be out of character for God, right? We think of God as being all loving, and so why would God do that? Um, for me, I mean, I think that would be like if, you know, if Donna and I were walking around, say we're going downtown, we're going on a date, and we walk by and there's a guy on the curb, and he's got a sign, he says, you know, hungry, please help. And Donna looks at him, and then she spits on him, and then she, and then she says, why don't you just get a job? I would be like, what? That would be very out of character for her. That's not something she would do. Uh, so it's kind of like that. Would God really do this, the God that I know? Um, that said, that said, that is a widespread belief, um, that some are predestined to go to heaven and others, uh, go straight to hell. Do not pass go, do not collect $200, go straight to hell. Uh, if you would go to the next slide for me, Naomi, this is a quote from a, uh, I'm not going to tell you who it is. I'll just say it's a well-known pastor, active today, author, very, very uh, mega church, large church. Um, and he says this, in the 13th chapter of Acts, the most fascinating statement is found in verse 48. Paul and Barnabas ready to preach. And when the Gentiles heard this, that is regarding the gospel and the gospel of salvation, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. Now note this, and as many as have been appointed to eternal life believed. The only people who believe are those who have been appointed to eternal life. God only grants the gift of faith to those who are predestined to salvation. He chose us, and to those he had chosen, he gives the power to believe. 
Some are shocked to find that God didn't choose everyone to salvation. Jesus said, and this is the will of him who sent me, that, that of all that he has given me, I lose nothing, but raise it up on the last day. John 6, 39, God the Father chose certain individuals to form a body as a gift to Jesus Christ. Every believer is part of that love gift to Christ, a gift to the Father's love to the Son. And so there is a statement very clearly uh, indicating that some people are, are in and, and some are not. So the foundations of, of this thinking are found in a uh, theological construct called Calvinism that was uh, founded, began by uh, John Calvin in the 16th century. And uh, I, I want to, I'm going to, time out. I'll just say this. Uh, I, I, I understand the thinking. And, and I want to say that I have, I have a degree of respect for folks uh, in that camp, e- even this gentleman here, because I, I, I'm confident that their convictions are such that they're teaching what they believe to be true. They're not intentionally, if someone is intentionally trying to lead people astray, I cannot have respect for that. But when someone is teaching what they believe to be accurate of Scripture, even if it's something that I, I come to a different interpretation of, I'm going to say I can have respect for that. So I, I understand the position based on uh, certain passages of Scripture. That said, that said, uh, I am not alone. <laughs> there is a, a large contingency of people today and throughout history that would come to a different conclusion. So I want, to, I want to look at possibly a different approach this morning. Again, a little cerebral today, a little bit more of a thinking message. Um, but but let's uh, let's go ahead. Take a, I want to take a look at four considerations regarding that thought process. So go ahead and go to the next slide. Number one, evangelism is a central teaching throughout Scripture. Uh, best known verse, debatably, but most likely, best known verse in all Scripture is what? John three sixteen. Somebody. God so loved the world. <laughs> Whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Good job. That was good. A little broken, but you guys did it. Um, at Pentecost, uh, so, so in addition to that, Pentecost, you remember the Holy Spirit comes and whoo, everybody's stirred up, and Peter stands up and he preaches this sermon. And then what does he say? Believe and be baptized. And he presents that to the crowd there that day as, as a choice that they make. Believe and be baptized. He, he, he encourages them to do that. Uh, so that concept, believe and be baptized, is put forth in the book of Acts uh, approximately 65 times, depending upon you know which translation you use. Um, Peter, Paul, uh, Stephen, Philip, uh, and any different, any number of different settings, these these sermons, messages, exhortations go forth, and the idea of of believe and be baptized, believe and come into faith is presented. I would add parenthetically here that I believe 
my personal conviction is that that decision is made in conjunction with the Holy Spirit. I don't think we make that 100% completely in and of ourselves. I believe that the Spirit of God is continually moving and working in and through the lives of people drawing us. And there, there are indicators throughout our lives that we see things, we hear things, we feel things that we may not have language for, but that really are the result of the Holy Spirit beginning to draw us in the presence of God. So I do believe that when that decision is made, that it's made in cooperation with the Spirit of God, but I also believe that we do make that decision. So so second uh, consideration, go ahead. Scripture presupposes human beings are free agents. Um, the, scripture presupposes, and again, you can you see this throughout, that we have been given by God the ability to choose. Uh, and, and, and as such, we then are responsible and accountable for our choices uh, and, and the actions that result. Our choices result in actions, right? So I, I won't demonstrate, but let's just say, I were to walk over here this morning and smack Elsa upside the head. Just give her a good whack right in the side of the head. Um, she may deserve it. She would not. She would not. Uh, but, but here, my point, my point was that, that I would be responsible for that. That would, that is my, that was my choice to do that. I would be responsible. And the consequences of that would, would be on me. Um, so in the spectrum, if we look at, you know, uh, sin over here and holiness over here and on a continuum, uh, that is within our control. Uh, every day we make choices, and every day we we walk with God or we don't walk with God, and probably both a hundred times a day. But all of that is within the realm of our our decision making ability. Some things are not. Uh, you know, we have DNA, we have a genetic code that we've been given. And I'm just thinking about it. Although some of these things today, through technology, can be changed, but generally speaking, things like our our eye color. Uh, you know, our hair color, our skin color, how tall we will be. Those are predisposed. We don't have a choice in those matters. They just, that, that is, uh, that is who we are. But in terms of our thinking, we have freedom in that. Um, we, we have the ability to make decisions based on, uh, you know, kind of what we want to do. What, what do I feel like doing today? Um, Joshua 24, uh, jo- Joshua gives this, prolonged speech uh, to the Israelites, and, he, and he, he documents to them sort of historically everything God has done on their behalf. God's done this for us. He's done this for us. He's done this for us. He's done this for us. And then at the conclusion of that speech, he says what? Then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Um, uh, keep keep uh, some of these old, we're going to look at a couple Old Testament scriptures. File those in your memory banks, okay? Because we're going to come back to them a little bit later. I'll, I'll reference back. Uh, this one and the next one, which uh, the prophet Jeremiah puts it this way. Go ahead. Jeremiah says this. If at any time I announce that a nation or kingdom is to be uprooted, torn down, and destroyed, and if that nation I warned repents of its evil, then I will relent and not inflict on it the disaster I had planned. And if at another time I announce that a nation or kingdom is to be built up and planted, 
And if it does evil in my sight and does not obey me, then I will reconsider the good I had intended for it. So yeah, keep those two verses in the back of your mind, um, because I will refer back to those later. Okay, Uh, third consideration. Go ahead, one more. Oh, you're already there, man. You're so fast. Because we're free agents, God doesn't always get what he wants in our lives. So hell would be the sort of quintessential testimony to that, right? We, we referenced John 3.16 a little bit earlier. God doesn't want anybody to perish. He wants everybody to come to eternal life. That's his desire, but is that the reality? No, that doesn't always happen. So summarily, I'll say it this way. God is a loving God, and he loves us so much that he gives us a choice. We, 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 that, that's a, that is a very loving thing to do, to give someone a choice. Um, I, I love, you know, the, the, uh, I love, uh, I, so we watch movies. I always try to pick some sort of a cops and robbers kind of, you know, tense. I like tense. Donald likes the rom-coms. Um, but the rom-coms, I like the scene. It's all, you know, there's always this scene where the guy gets down on his knee and he's got the little box, you know, and he opens the box. He looks the girl in the eye and the music usually swells very, it's beautiful, you know, and he, will you marry me? It's all perfect. It's a perfect scenario, perfect stuff and everything. But at that moment, the reality is this. She's got the choice. She's got the choice. And she can say, oh, yes, I'll marry you. Or, hmm, Later days, dude. And um, that's so sad. Um, <laughs> in cultures where that's not the case, we, we, we see these cultures where, where marriage is prearranged. And we, in our mind, our Western thinking, we go, that's, that's barbaric, that's inhuman. And the truth is, in, in, in one regard, it is because God has given us a choice, and that choice is being taken away. Um, so, so we, we were created to choose. Second Peter three nine. Go to the next verse. The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So again, God, you know, the Holy Spirit's drawing our hearts, and these things are happening in our life, and, and God's just saying, "Hey, you know, come on, come on, come on." Uh, he, he's He's waiting and longing for us to come into his presence. Fourth consideration, last thing. If some are predestined to heaven and others to hell, then how do I understand God's love? Again, we've been taught, most of us, uh, throughout you know, our, our Christian experience, God's love is universal, it's unconditional. Uh, but is that accurate? Is God's love really unconditional and universal? Or is it directed toward some people in some ways and other people in other ways or um, other people in no ways? So again, in, in terms of even different belief systems, there's a spectrum. But in hardcore Calvinism uh, would say that. It would say that God, and this is a quote from Calvin, God loves the elect and despises the reprobate. Okay, so you just have to decide, am I elect or reprobate? Uh, but that's, 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 that's the end game of that thinking. So I would counter that. If I were having a conversation with Calvin, he was a smart guy. 
But I would counter that with saying, that's not the God I see in Jesus. Uh, Jesus loves the reprobate. He hangs out with them. He eats with them. He prays for them. Um, I think, I believe there are indications. To me, the Old Testament is all looking forward to the coming of Jesus. Everything there, everything, this is a whole different sermon, but the grace of God is seen as coming towards us in the Old Testament. It's not fully realized until Jesus. But even in the Old Testament, we see it moving in that direction. So Ezekiel says this, As surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather, see, again, this is Old Testament prophet indicating rather that they turn from their ways and live, turn, turn from evil ways, saying, I I want people that are evil and wicked, that are distant, far away from me, to turn and come towards me. In the New Testament, John puts it this way. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of who? Whole world. Um, Can I say something? That includes you guys. That includes you guys at home. If you're home today, watching us in your jammies and eating waffles, God bless you. That's where I'd be. Just kidding. No, I might. I I do like waffles. Um, uh, I just think it's an important thing we need to know. We need to know that. I, I really believe that God died for you. He, he gave his life up for you. And when the whole world includes you, okay? Um, Isaiah 55, I won't read the whole chapter. I'm trying, this is, I'm trying to condense this somewhat, but the whole chapter is an indication that God's drawing the hearts of his people towards him. But sort of the, the, the key phrase in that chapter is, Come, all who are thirsty. All you who are thirsty, come to me. Come to the waters and drink. Um, so, how then do we reconcile everything I've just said with Ephesians 1, 4, and 5? Um, go to the next slide. John, First John says again this way. Don't you just love John? I just love John. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. God is love. The reason we exist is because God loves us. That's why we're here. Uh, God loves us. He created the world out of his love, and that's his M.O., God does everything he does. Even the justice of God really is uh, a reflection of his love towards people. So much so that, again, he was willing to die on our behalf. And that, again, is for the whole world, all of us, regardless of your race, language, color, education, gender, background, history, whatever, all, all of the arbitrary distinctions, any of the arbitrary distinctions, that we can make as human beings uh, are erased in the presence of God. When God says he came uh, for the whole world, that includes everybody. So then, (laughs) what exactly does Ephesians 1-4 mean? Personally, so so it just, I I read, uh, you know, uh, five or six commentaries on this passage uh, in the last few weeks, 
and uh, listen to two or three people that are smarter than me talk about it. Um, so, so here, I, I do not believe that any first century Jew would have taken First Ephesians 4 and 5 as an indication that some are in, some are out. And if I look at the context is everything. So if you, if you look at, you kind of take context, it, it, it gets bigger and bigger as you go. So context would be Ephesians, and then you write all Paul's writing, and then you write all the New Testament. So if I, went, if I did that, I would say that the theologians of the New Testament, or the writers of the New Testament, predominantly, you know, Peter, Paul, Luke, John, uh, would not, none of them would have thought that this was an indication that some are in or some are out. So, so here, here we go. Here's your, here's your explanation, okay? I, I told you to, to remember the Joshua and the Jeremiah verses from earlier. The first century Jews did believe in something called corporate election, which, which meant simply this, that and we see this very, very clearly, and both of those verses as well as the Old Testament as a whole indicate this, that the nation of Israel were, were God's chosen people, right? We, we, that's clear. The nation of Israel were God's chosen people. Um, however, if, if you look at it, and again, the verses that we've cited today, Old Testament verses we cited today, would also indicate that even though Israel was God's chosen people, that does not mean that every single individual within that nation was automatically included. It wasn't by default. The individuals within the chosen people of God still had to make a decision to turn towards God. And that's why Jeremiah and Joshua and other people said what they said to them. So here's my updated modern illustration. It's kind of lame, but it's the best I got. So let's just say that we are going to have a church picnic. COVID's over. There's no more COVID. Take, take off your masks. No, not just kidding. Uh, but because it's over, we're going to celebrate, and we're going to. It's a sunny, sunny, warm, not hot summer day, and we're going to rent that big uh, cover, that area with the barbecues down there by the water, you know, at Cook Park. And we're all going to come down there on Saturday afternoon, and we're going to have a big celebration. We're going to have a big picnic. And we announce this uh, prior in church the week before, and we say, we are going to have a big church picnic, and we're going to cook hot dogs. Hot dogs for everybody. Um, And you can say, hmm, well... I don't really like hot dogs. doesn't matter if they're kosher, all beef, even if you get those glorious little cheese weenies from Gartner's downtown. Um, I don't like hot dogs. So, so, so here's the thing. Follow me. Hang with me. You were chosen. You were included in the group. You were invited to come to the picnic. But as part of that group that's in, you made the decision not to go because you don't like hot dogs. So, so here's the end game is that by accepting the invitation, you enter in. 
Next verse, Matthew 22. Many are invited, but few are chosen. How many of you ever wondered what that means? None of you? Good grief. I'm the only knucklehead in the room. This is the punchline. Okay, this is the punchline. It's the end of the parable. The parable is this. We know it. The king is having a banquet, right? He's going to throw a big party. And invitations have gone out. And today's the day. All of a sudden, the time is here. The table is set. The food is ready. The king says to the servants, go, go get the people, round them up and tell them to come. And the people say what? I am a little busy today. You know, I, I, uh, you know, I got to do my laundry this morning or I got to clean my birdcage or whatever. I'm, I can't make it. I'm sorry. I'm not going to show up to the banquet. So, so the king, the king says, dang, man, I got, I, I, I my table set. I got this, oh, amazing food. I'm going to have a party today. I'm going to have this banquet. I don't care. So he turns to the servants. He says, go, go out in the streets, go to the highways and the byways, go wherever, find people, get somebody and bring them in, bring them in, bring them in and tell them. And then I love this. This verse has been resonating in my heart for two weeks. The servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. I don't know that I've ever really noticed that before. The bad as well as the good. So here's the deal. Whoever showed up got to eat with the king. (laughs) Told you it wasn't an emotional message today. Um, Many were invited, but few were chosen. And the essence of the, of, of the verse really is the chosen are the ones that accepted the invitation. The king is the king, and he can invite whoever he wants. And if he wants to invite losers and low lives, he can invite losers and low lives, the good as well as the bad. I just think that's a word to us. Whoever you are, wherever you are, the invitation's there. Come on in. Come on in. They showed up. They accepted the invitation. And, and the chosen really are the ones who come, the ones who say, I'll accept the invitation of the king and I'll eat with him. So this is that. This is what's happening in Ephesians 1, 4, and 5. God desires for his church, his people, you and I, to reflect his glory to the world around us. Uh, and that's why he gives us every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. And, and, and let me add this, that he's not going to wait until we get our act together to welcome us in. Because, you know, do you know why? Because that would take a long time. That would take a long time. What do we have to do? Show up. Just show up, and you'll be in him. If we, if we, look, if we show up, we can say, I'm chosen, and I was predestined to be here because I'm here. 
And if I wasn't here, but I'm here. Beyond that, God says this, not only are we predestined and we're chosen and we're in him and we have every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus, but Romans says we'll be conformed to his image and John again says we're going to be like him. Yeehaw! Say yeehaw. That was weak. Yeehaw! <laughs> Let me just say this. You guys, you are, you, you are a dude or dudette out on the highways and byways, and you have been invited in. The king has sent the invitation, uh, and he says, come in, join the party, come on in. Whoever you are, wherever you are. If you feel unworthy, remember that um, the king invited you in. Uh, so I guess the conclusion would be hot dogs for everyone. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to sow into what God is doing through Cascade Vineyard, we always welcome your prayers for our church body, our communities, and our leadership. If you'd like to contribute financially, please visit cascadevineyard.org give.